and uh, welcome to all the viewers uh, who are joining us for this session and uh, for the Orange City Liter Literature Festival in general. This conversation is especially relevant because it addresses something that is almost universally condemned but scarcely understood, that is uh, terrorism. And it takes someone with years of experience on the ground, with their eyes and ears on the ground, someone like uh, Mr. Colonel Singh, to make sense of it for us. And uh, as Nidhi mentioned, in addition to his uh, 34 years of experience uh, as an IPS, and in addition to uh, him spearheading the Delhi Police Special Cell for the investigation of the Batla uh, House case, as well as the blasts, he has also recently come out with the book on the encounter. And uh, that book specifically addresses the various tenets and the nuances related to the uh, entire event. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Colonel Singh, sir, for joining us. Thank you. I would like to start by, you know, uh, going back to the very roots of uh, terrorism. To understand the factors causing the growth of terrorism, we need to first understand where it stems from and uh, what are its various origins. Uh, of course, terrorism is not just originating from one source or in one way. So perhaps if you could touch upon the genesis of terrorism. See, there are different types of terrorism. Um, one is antho ethno-nationalist terrorism. For example, we have certain tribes in northeastern area of our country. Uh, Naga tribes, even the Mizo tribes. The Mizoram also terrorism is started because they feel that there should be separate Mizo state. Similarly, Naga started their agitation that they wanted a separate Naga state, which comprises comprising of various areas of India as, as well as outside India. But with the passage of time, Mizoram has become the state free of the terrorism. Nagaland also, there is now peace and they are not asking for separatism. They want to live within the country. Then there are religious terrorism, which we generally come say jihadi terrorism. They consider violence as a divine duty. We can see it is in the Afghanistan area, Kashmir, formation of ISIS, Indian Mujahideen and various other groups operating in various parts of the world and even in India. Third, third is a political ideology. We have seen left-wing Naxalism, which is based on Marx philosophy and ultimately the Maoist theory. Then we have right-wing, which, which wants to like go back to the past, like Nazism and Fascism in Italy. Nazism was in uh, Germany. Then we have state-sponsored terrorism. One country tries to create terrorist activities in the other country. In India, we have terrorism which is originating from Pakistan. There are various terrorist organizations which are based there. The terror financing, terror training camps are there. The terrorists, after they are to be caught, they take shelter, weapons are provided to them. Then there could be socio-economic causes, like in Assam. It is started with infiltration of Bangladeshi in, our, in Assam. Then the borderland area, which is basically, again, we can say it is based on ethnicity. There could be historical reason. Northeastern insurgency comes from historical reason as well as from ethnicity. 
Kashmir is a purely uh, historical. If we consider these things, for example, if we take Kashmir, it is state-sponsored because the terrorists started infiltrating in in Kashmir since 1980s. What what happened is there was a terrorism which flourished in Afghanistan, and thereafter these terrorists started coming to. Kashmir, based on the philosophy, philosophy of if there is perceived or real atrocities on any Muslims anywhere in the world, then it is a duty of every Muslim to take action in in that part of the world. Then it, Kashmir is also historical because it it starts from 1947 when our country. Became independent, and Pakistan attacked to take part of it. Of course, it has taken some part of it, which is now now known as Pak occupied Kashmir. If we go go to the the another type of insurgency in India that is based on Naxalism. To begin with, it is started with the requirement of land reforms. The farmers wanted the who are tillers of the land wanted land to come to them. the land reforms were done in the 50s jamidari abolition act was passed but unfortunately in some of the states it could not be implemented properly and it also resulted into non development issues in the remote areas with the passage of time of course the now government wants to develop those areas but the the terrorist or insurgent in those areas now do not want that development to take place because they are collecting huge funds through extortion then there is a jihadi terrorism which is taking place in various parts of the the country for example there have been a blast in mumbai 2611 in mumbai blasts in delhi and various parts of the country again this jihadi terrorism is sponsored by our neighboring country If you go to the northeast, I have already told it is based on ethnicity, as well as when India became independent, the there was not total control on of the government at that time on these these areas, and because of that they they felt that they should be an independent country, and insurgency started in that area because of that. That that is a basic reason of terrorism in various parts of our country. right so uh, if you talk about what takes people uh, these causes uh, what takes people over the tipping point what causes people uh, who are afflicted by these causes or who come across such ideologies to actually take that plunge and get into something as uh, vicious as terrorism what are the contributing factors you think to take the people over this tipping point the one is and most important is perceived or real feeling of persecution and it leads to radicalization i'll give an example which i have given in my book on battle house encounter uh, the indian mujahideen terrorists how they would radicalize others the, the first they, they would start telling their covid students that how to perform religious rites nothing wrong in that slowly they will start a perception 
that they're better in religious knowledge than others. Then they would start telling them about what is jihad, why it is to, it should be done, what is the purpose of it. And thirdly, after convincing them that jihad is important, then they would, they would come to the idea of that the, the Muslims are being persecuted in different parts of the world. They have clippings of various countries with, with them. With this passage, the, the person will be started believing that it is his duty to do it and then it starts joining their stream. So it is a process of radicalization which is very, very important. And today the social media is playing a very important role in the sense that everything is available on social media, on internet. The radicalization can be done through the process of chat rooms, through the process of reading what is going on internet. The person may, may get affected with the ideology, may influenced by the ideology and adopt that ideology without even associating with that particular organization. Right. We, we have seen the people getting influenced by the ideology of Osama bin Laden, though he is not there, but the people, Al-Qaeda, they get into that. There is also funding which can help them in continuing the process of uh, terrorism. Right. So uh, I want to pick up from uh, just what you uh, briefly touched upon is the funding, uh, the logistics that enable such uh, large scale and such elaborately planned terrorist activities. Uh, is there a mechanism by which they are able to do this again and again uh, and escape, uh, sometimes escape the intelligence agencies and even uh, policing may not always uh, be able to tackle it the way uh, they would like to. Is there a reason why they have an, a mechanism like that? What, what are the logistics that support such activities? See, the, the terrorism is done by the people who are motivated. They're, they're very, very motivated to do it. And therefore, the information is very difficult to come. The manual information is almost impossible who is involved in the terrorist, terrorist activities. The, in the case of terror financing, when we are talking, Let's take example of uh, the Naga insurgents or insurgency in the Manipur area. Their main collection is extortion. Any activity, whether development activities taking place there or whether any governmental activities going on there, because of the fear, they're able to extort money from the people. Uh, that is one. Similarly, if you take Naxalism, the, the same process, whatever is cultivated in that area, when that cultivation product goes out in the market, they take cut. Whosoever is developing that area, the, the people who are given tenders to develop that area, for example, making the roads, the cut is taken from them. The huge funds are collected, which will, would be used for the terrorist purposes. Then we have the state sponsored, where uh, the neighboring country is providing funds. The ISI is providing funds. We have also criminal activities. I'll take example of Indian Mujahideen. In the, in the beginning of their initiation, they started kidnapping of the people. And through kidnapping, they collected the huge funds. And a part of their fund they had also provided for 9-11 attack. They have collected so much funds from the extortion activities. 
then we have this golden crescent uh, covering of basically afghanistan pakistan and iran area now in this area huge quantity of the opm is grown converted into heroin and then taken out, out to western countries the huge profit is earned by these al qaeda uh, the various terrorist organizations and this funds comes comes to uh, lashkar e taiba jaish e mohammed the haqqani network taliban and it, it is about if you can consider it is about uh, to get you know almost 1.5% of the world gdp so much is the output from this and that funds is used for terrorist purposes then uh, the charity funds are collected for example we have jamaatul dawa a front organization of lashkar e taiba in pakistan it collects charity funds and it is doing charity also in the sense that they have hospitals they have schools educational institutions are there but a part of that goes to uh, terrorist purposes similarly the, the, there is a concept in islam the, the concept is of zakat that a part of the income should be given for charity purposes mm-hmm. this is collected by the organizations from the people and then they spent in 99 we had arrested one person known as abu nasir he was from uh, burmese origin but working in pakistan in one of such organization now he told us that he was going and giving these funds to the terror camps at that time even fbi team came to india to delhi to interrogate him to find out where all the terrorist camps were there, are there in the afghanistan and pak occupied kashmir so these are the various ways they they collect funds and funds are then transmitted either through hawala or through the banking channels right so i want to uh, touch upon you know the people around those that become the terrorists uh, the parents the guardians those around them who you know may have had the chance to stop uh, them from becoming terrorists or in some way preventing it uh, what is their role how uh, do you think they are also in part sometimes responsible for preventing that radicalization see i i would not would not say that they are responsible for that but i feel that they could have they could have had better control in the sense that where the child is going young boys are going from the home away for one month two months three months like taking training in pakistan they are out for six months not in touch with their family so family members should ask them at least that where had you gone what was your purpose uh, with that this control of the parental and societal control there is a possibility to identify that person is being radicalized and there is a possibility that family itself can deradicalize the person or is they can report to the state and where state can try to deradicalize those person so that before they could act in real they could be prevented in doing so and the youth can be prevented their career can become better right so uh, i want to now go on to you know the consequences 
uh, once a terrorist act occurs and uh, the police and administration are on the case they're trying to uh, trying their best to investigate and put an end to it uh, the consequences may not always be favorable and may not always help the case as you have mentioned in your book as well the media trial that ensued during the uh, battle house encounter did not necessarily help the case uh, would you like to uh, touch upon how uh, that can be a harmful effect see what happened in the particularly when battlehouse encounter took place it was in uh, september 2008 there were elections in five states assembly elections uh, starting from november 2008 and parliamentary election in in the early of 2009 some of the politicians started using this as an opportunity for the vote bank politics and the media also got influenced and what happens is when the politicians and the senior level politicians are speaking something even without evidence people starts believing it people starts perceiving that it is to be true that means uh, there was something wrong in encounter and when they say that particular community has been hit see what you are doing is you are basically working against that community itself creating a wrong feelings in the minds of the people that they are being persecuted while that is not true the police is only going after the terrorists they may belong to any religion any caste any creed nobody knows the, the causes because when uh, terrorism was in punjab there were different uh, people when it is in the northeast different people so one one cannot blame the community on that and when the politicians speak like that it gives a wrong impression and which is harmful to the nation right therefore, therefore i feel that there should be a national policy and consensus on the terrorism by any political party because once any politician is speak he should speak with evidence and otherwise he should not speak against such things right i uh, remember in your book there is a mention specifically of a news report that came out that uh, wrongfully painted the facts that presented that bullets three bullets were hit on the back uh, of uh, the uh, terrorist and also about uh, a scuffle breaking out between the alleged terrorist and the police officers and them dragging people back upstairs did all of that also come in the way of uh, your investigation see that not let me tell you what was the report first see the news item says that they found an eyewitness mm-hmm. who saw everything happening from his bathroom window and what what he saw that they said that uh, that police people went to the it, it, the the flat is on the fourth floor where this incident took place they went up they dragged people down killed at the ground floor then they brought them up and they dragged them up and then they wrapped them in cloths brought some more people which were arrested then the this news item also says that uh, mohanchan sharma the inspector who died after this encounter during this encounter he got three bullet injuries on his back fired by his colleagues only now if we see the factuality this but l18 batlaus is a fourth four floor 
neighboring adjoining buildings are only two floors nobody can see from the second floor you are seeing the seeing the fourth floor what is happening on stairs there were no drag marks on those those bodies and if such eyewitness was existing he never came not in any forum not any other newspaper not anywhere he was anonymous the post mortem report clearly indicated that mohanchan sharma got bullet injury from the front and two bullet injury the, this news news item also said that the, these people did not fire on police there is a test known as dermal nitrate test uh, what happens is when somebody fires the particles they deposit on his hands the explosive particles and the doctors in aims while doing the post mortem of the terrorists they got the hand wash send it to the cfsl where it came that the gunpowder was found on their hands proving clearly that they had fired but such stories try to create an impression which is far from truth which is beyond even which is not based on any evidence did it also uh, lead to any friction with the kin and family members of uh, the deceased and those injured see disease human police officer yes see uh, certainly it creates and i have mentioned in my book i went to monchan sharma's house with my wife so mohan's wife maya asked me th- this question that there are stories about the encounter uh, that it was not genuine what do you have to say and i mentioned that i uh, talked to her saying do you trust me she told me that uh, the, her husband had told that at every time whatever happens but you must trust uh, the joint ct so then i told her this is what has happened and this is the truth it goes to her credit that she stood firm thereafter she was even offered a ticket for election she did not take the ticket it is it is a creditable to the family members of the police officers to take such things in stride there is a tremendous stress on the people on the families but they with with stood that right uh, taking this a bit forward and uh, looking at it in a broader perspective uh, looking at your experience how do you feel all these people you know who in a way become uh, affected uh, by the terrorist activities not just the victims their families police officers families uh, everyone who did not necessarily want to become a part of it the areas where such an encounter happens i'm sure there are years of trauma after after the blasts take place uh, what are the kind of consequences do you see uh, after uh, any such act happens see when there is a terrorist act takes place number one is who are the victims innocent people somebody has gone to the market and gets killed there or gets injured it is a trauma to that person trauma to the family members and it is a long term trauma i remember in 98 in karol bagh there was explosion in a 
kulfi shop one girl who was to be married few days later got her injured and got her both the legs amputated he came for giving evidence in the court see one can see the trauma to these people it is it is not a one time it is a, the whole life they, these people have to suffer right for, for example this indian mujahideen um, the people who were killed and caught after the batlaus encounter they have caused explosion starting from 2005 to 2008 at various places varanasi hyderabad up courts jaipur gujarat delhi killing 239 people and uh, injuring 851 it's a huge loss similarly if we see the, the security agencies every year around 400 to 500 security officers that is police officers and paramilitary officers and army officers are killed because of terrorist activities in india it is a huge loss to their families absolutely do you feel uh, on the legal front the laws we have in our country uh, any changes uh, are needed to strengthen the laws and perhaps uh, find ways to quell terrorism on the basis of that see uh, legal front is if you see the history of uh, legal front in handling terrorism before 1985 it was only the ipc section 121 a waging war against the state and some of the acts like uh, explosive substance act and arms act they, they are good for handling the criminal activities but when it comes to terrorism who are the dedicated people who will operate from one place after another place and run away out of the country even these laws were inadequate so first the tada came in 1985 after mrs gandhi was assassinated in october 1984 but in its implementations there were certain allegations against the officers that it was not implemented properly and then what happened is it was allowed to lapse in 1995 then happened this parliament attack immediately the quota was brought the quota was also allowed to lapse in 2004 then thereafter certain amendments were made in prevention of unlawful activities act then then came this batlaus encounter the explosions all over in 2611 right i was formed there amendments were made in prevention of unlawful activities act to handle the terror financing the to be uh, to handle the members of the terrorist organizations and the terrorist acts so if you see these laws are changing but there are still problems for example if you take the prevention of unlawful activities act and if a police officer is investigating that not of nia the local police the remand can be taken only for the first 15 days of the person now it is possible that one terrorist is caught today and another is terrorist is caught after 45 days or 50 days you cannot cross question them because you cannot take first terrorist on remand again you have to go to the jail premises to inter- interrogate him in nia act it has been included that piecemeal that means they will count 30 days but 30 days could be any time it is not first 30 days but it is not in the crpc crpc section 167 has only first 15 days then there is no undercover operations allowed 
suppose i infiltrate my officer in a terrorist organization to find out the whole network and suppose that officer is caught by some other agency now it is a good goodwill between my agency and their agency to leave that officer they may not leave him they say he is involved in terrorist activities while various countries who are handling uh, the terrorism for example united states they have this undercover operations legalized so there are various various issues our laws are improving but they are not adequate still for example the trial indian mujahideen terrorists are being tried in the various parts of the country and when somebody is to be tried then he has to be brought to that particular court till now from 2008 to 2020 only two cases have been finalized one of hyderabad one of jaipur after 12 after 12 years still the, the trial is going on mm-hmm. if you could make only one court this terrorist organization whosoever is investigated but it will be tried only in one court then the trial could take place faster right uh the role of uh, the police cannot be overstated it is of course one of the most thankless jobs in the world uh and uh, the police continues to go ahead and uh, do it from the front while people you know theorize and think about ways to uh quell terrorism do you still feel there are some ways uh, reform can be brought about in the way policing is done uh, as regards to terrorism see at the moment what the policing is doing police policing is being done is when the terrorist strike take place the police does the investigation or the intelligence agencies tries to find out the information we have to act before a person becomes terrorist that means there there has to be mechanism to find out how radicalization is taking place can that radicalization be prevented at that stage what is the mechanism for example uh, there was a person known as abdul karim tunda he radicalized many people in madrasas what he would, would would do is he will go and speak there give a takrir they say it is a lecture and then he would spot some people who could be radicalized then he will call those people in separate room talk to them with the passage of time he would be able to radicalize we have to find a similar me- mechanism so that people are not radicalized the definition of the the explanation of the various the religion that should be made known to the people what is the right explanation the there are various types of people in every religion so the progressive people are there retrogressive people are there so we have to catch hold of progressive people what what has been uh, sorry uh, yeah. what kind of government response do you feel uh, can contribute to this uh, the government of course has a dif- different governments have tackled terrorism differently but by and large there are some frameworks that each government tries to follow while tackling terrorism uh, what do you feel uh, is being done and what can be changed if at all anything can see at the moment the government is doing three things basically one is the, the development aspects see there are places where the terrorism is or insurgency has come up because the developmental issues so the government has a soft approach to the people 
trying to give them facilities, trying to develop those areas so that the feeling that the, their areas have not been developed is extinguished. The second response is even, uh, even after that, the people like, for example, in certain areas, particularly Naxalites, are not allowing the development to take place. In that case, you require the security related response. That means the police acting against them. Mm -hmm. The third response of government is that to negotiate with such people and government is doing it. We, we the Mizoram Accord is, was there where the peace was brought to the Mizoram. The Naga Accord is being done. Bodo Accord has been done recently. The government is trying to talk to the people so that the negotiation can take, takes place. The issues can be resolved. This is the third approach. The fourth approach is also important. That is what I was talking of. How to prevent people getting radicalized and how to de-radicalize the people who have been radicalized previously. So this approach government is taking in Kashmir now. Let's see how successful we are able to, we, we would be able to, but the same ap approach is required at all the other places, like in the Naxal areas also we require such a scheme, such, such things, so that things can be improved. Okay. Uh, one more thing uh, we have to look at here is that uh, specific, which you mentioned of, uh cutting it in the bud stemming in the in the bud and stopping people from getting radicalized as you said the government is doing what it can on this but do you think uh as a society as a people there is uh, a bit more responsibility on us and uh on looking at looking out for uh, those around us finding ways to stop that from happening yes i feel that as a society we should contribute in the process uh, for spotting people timely trying to de-radicalize de them trying to make people understand what is right what is wrong and that will help in bringing down the radicalization right uh we have a question from the audience that we'd like to take up here uh the audience question is that we know that religion is one of the factors that causes the growth of terrorism but is it a direct factor or an indirect factor see it is both direct and indirect factor see one is a wrong interpretation of the religion every religion wants the peace every religion wants everybody to be equal because every religion feels God is one. But there is a misinterpretation and this misinterpretation is taught to the people. And they start feeling that what they are doing is the right. See, even if there is something misinterpretation, the people cannot use it unless there are certain causes. They may be real causes, they may be perceived causes. For example, when things were happening in Afghanistan, the people from various parts of the world were going to the Afghanistan, feeling that there is a persecution of the people, of their community. That causes, the perceived causes have to be removed, or real causes have to be removed. Right, right. Uh, looking forward, how do you see uh, our uh, 
as a world, not just as India, uh, the fight against terrorism going, do you feel there are strong uh, inroads being made? Uh, what What do you think can be the way forward or how do you see it going? See, after 9-11, there has been a sea change. Uh, the United Nations thereafter started targeting the terrorists, which we called, uh, called United States in UN Security Council resolution, and 1270 and 1370. These are the two resolutions. By, by the process, they say this organization is a terrorist organization. And therefore, all the fundings anywhere in the world of these terrorist organization or individual terrorists should be frozen. That's the one step the United Nations is taking. Then there is another organization which is known as Financial Action Task Force which deals with the policies relating to money laundering and terror financing. They also monitor the legal system in various countries relating to terror, terror financing and also monitor whether those have been effectively implemented or not. Like Pakistan was not implementing the, the terror financing acts properly. Therefore, Pakistan was brought into the gray list uh, three, three, four years ago. If some country is brought into the gray list of financial action task force, then the economic health from other countries starts getting down on that country. And if it is brought to the blacklist, then uh, there will be economic problem to that particular country. So the world over, there is a legal system coming over, monitored by the United Nations and the financial action task force. And international cooperation in terror related cases is very forthcoming. Right. Uh, finally, sir, uh, as you know, social media has evolved into gigantic proportions now over the years, and it has assumed a face which, you know, not many of us would have thought it would. Uh, how do you see that uh, kind of, what kind of role, both in a positive and negative way, uh, playing uh, in terms of terrorism, both in growing and uh, trying to prevent? See, social media can become a tool for negative and positive both. One, one, one sees irresponsibility on social media nowadays. We see Twitter, we see other places, people speak anything. It also gives a space to people to coordinate with each other, to talk to each other, to radicalize people also, it gives the space. So social media is becoming a tool in the hands of terrorist organizations. The enforcement agency also should use it right. as a tool to de-radicalize people, to propagate policies or philosophies to counter what terrorists are doing. Right. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot for your all-encompassing views, which was so uh, thought-provoking for us, especially since so many of us have no idea of what exactly is going on on the ground and are entirely going by reports or, as we discussed, social media. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, viewers, for joining us. Thank you. Back to you. Uh, over to you, Nidhi. Thank you, Colonel, sir, and Bhuvan, sir for such an amazing session on such a sensitive which sensitive topic which always needs attention. On behalf of the Orange City Literature Fest, we sincerely express our gratitude towards your acceptance for the session and knowledge shared with us. Thank you all for watching and being a lovely audience. Special thanks to SGR Knowledge Foundation.
20 years of existence. Two universities, 23 educational institutes, offering 137 courses. Rai Sony Group of Institutions, a vision beyond.